MJ, we were just kind of going through the itinerary of all the many things that happened around the NHL this weekend. Do you want to just like pick your pick your highlight of the weekend and and give us your thoughts on it to start? Uh, how much time do we have, guys? I mean, like, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> I know like, you're trying to wrap your head around, trying to remember all the things that happened. You're like, all right, Barbashev, he got traded. Dadnoff for Gurianov, that happened, didn't it? Right? Like, it's just yep. a lot of different things. I mean, obviously the Meyer trade stands out because it was so longly rumored to be Jersey. It made sense on so many reasons. Um, you, you know, you can never really properly evaluate a deal until you know. But on first blush, I think it makes sense for Jersey on the ice. It makes sense for how they want to build in the future, for the size, for the skill, for all the obvious reasons. The fact that they were able to make the deal without giving up any one of Holt or Nemitz or Luke Hughes or Dawson Mercer, kind of like the four top young guys. Um, I think it's a pretty good job by Tom Fitzgerald. Uh, now, Mike Greer got a whole bunch of players in return, and maybe those players turned into pretty good ones. But um, I think the fact they were able to maintain control of all their top young guys is a pretty good win for them while also getting a guy they probably will sign sooner rather than later. And that makes, you know, you think about the East guys. You talk about the Leafs, of course, what they've done, how good they are. Tampa, Jeannot, um A.B., did I I see that? One, two, three, four, five picks and a prospect for Tanner Jeannot. It's amazing. Now, listen, guys, so there's there's two parts of the story. The Tampa Bay Lightning deserve all the credit and respect for having great success. They hit on Coleman, on Goudreau, on Hagel, on Paul, all of which we got, man, that's a bit of an overpay. They've all turned out to be really good players. Doesn't mean they're infallible. Doesn't mean you can't question, hmm, that seems like a lot. We'll see how it plays out. The fact that he makes so little money is part of what makes him so attractive. But five picks, including a first for Tanner Jeannot, who has five goals this year. I know he had 24 last year. He'll be physical. He will fight. He'll be hard to play against. But that seems like a massive payment for Tampa. But you just think about Tampa, Toronto, Boston, obviously, what they've done, Orlov and Cathaway. You think about how good Carolina is, and they're still sitting on money, will likely get better Rangers, Devils, like those top 16s are so good in the East and two will be done in the first round at least. It's just wild to think that a Rangers or Devils or Tampa or Toronto will be done after the first round. It's it's actually insane. Like the Tanner Janot deal, you know what I'm kind of actually, I'm, I'm starting to, it's not that I, I, I can't ever question Tampa Bay Lightning because they've done this before and it's worked mm-hmm. out. It's almost like Masai Ujiri here in Toronto. It's like they've built that trust within the fan base mm-hmm. where it's okay, it's worked out. But then again, like now I'm kind of thinking about it, you know, Bill Belichick seemed to never make the wrong decision until eventually he started making some wrong decisions. And, you know, the Patriots now are no longer mm-hmm. the dynasty that they were. Not to say that this isn't going to work out, but they'd made that move to swing Brandon Hagel last year. They did go to the cup final, which obviously is outstanding, but they didn't win the Stanley Cup. And then this year, again, made this big trade, unloaded all these picks. In order for it to be worth it, Johnny, I mean, do they have to win the ultimate prize at the end for this not to get criticized? I don't think, I think that's a pretty high standard, right? Like you win the cup or else it's a bad deal. I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're, you're taking a swing with the, with the, with your team and the spot that it's in and trying to give yourself the best chance to win again. So if they win a round or two or three and lose in the conference final or the final, um, like, I don't know if you could say that's a bad deal. Like they're just, they're recognizing the inherent future risk. It's not like the Tampa Bay, like don't understand. Like they have what a sixth and a seventh round pick this year. That's it. They don't have anything in the first yeah. five rounds. But they, they, they understand that, and they're willing to accept that future downside for the potential uh, upside of the present. So I, don't, I think that's a bit of a uh, too high of a standard to, to hold it to. 
I mean, I mean, you could disagree with the philosophy, disagree with the return that they're making right now, because that's that's the the information they have in front of them. It, it, to me, it's like I, I, I guess my, my question is like, like, is there no way that you could have gotten that guy for less? Like, it seems yeah, like who are you know. bidding for? Like, is that what it was going to cost to get him more than it cost to get Ryan O'Reilly and Nolo Chari? I mean, literally more than it cost to get those guys. So, um, yeah, it, it is surprising, but. You know they deserve the respect that they've earned and 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 the confidence that they have good decision making and, and talent pro scouts that would see how he fits. But um, you know nobody's infallible, right? Like you know everybody, no matter how good they've been, you know can be questioned as far as their uh, their decision making. Johnny, would you be on board for Toronto to be that aggressive through the rest of the week and give up you know future assets and pretty much unload the cupboard in their picks if they can? swing a deal like that to get a, a missing piece considering how everyone else in the East just got that much better in the last week? Um, yeah, probably. Probably. I say it with a sigh because it's just such a massive commitment. Um, and, you know, the lead doesn't stop at the end of this year. You have to go forward next year and years and years and beyond. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – I just wonder, like, you know, if the Leafs are wondering if they need a depth forward. I wonder if Matthew Nyes is, is a guy that they're thinking of, like, you know – given the cost to require a depth forward, maybe it's just better to get Matthew Nice and play him for like 10 games and see if he could be that guy uh, up front. And, and I think the one thing that being patient might be, A.B., is that we, we're talking about all these deals going down. For the most part, they're all the big forwards. All the defensemen, all the depth guys that are kind of floating around out there that might be available, not as many of those guys have changed teams. So I wonder if you're shopping for depth defense, does that price actually go down because there's – more guys left on the market and more teams that might not be able to go get them because they've sort of spent their money and their draft capital to go get, uh, to go get their forwards. I wonder if the Leafs are looking for a depth defensive, like the price on Gavrikov apparently was a first and a third. He's not getting a first and a third anymore. Right. No. So like I wonder if those kind of options might present themselves later on this week. Yeah. So, so um, we're with our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson right now. So is Carolina on the clock now, Johnny, with all the moves that mm-hmm. were made in the East over the weekend? They are. They are. Now, the thing about them is that it feels like, much like Boston, they're good enough to go all the way without doing anything. Um, but what's quite crazy about them is that they're this good, and they have all the cap space for Max Patch ready. Like, they, they, they're the rarest of teams, like a top-level team with $8 million in cap space. It's, it's unheard of. So, um, you know, I imagine they would have been sniffing around Kane, would have been sniffing around Meyer. I think they wanted Meyer only with an extension, and that wasn't going to be able to happen. So, um, yeah, I think that they are on the clock. I think they probably want a depth defenseman. I think they probably want some more scoring, like everyone always does. But they have the cap space to go get it without jumping through hoops like the Rangers are doing right now. So, yes, I would expect them to be active. But the thing about Carolina is they don't overpay. Right, mm. like they are a value-oriented team. Like they will assign a value to a player. He's worth this. If they can't get him for that, they won't go get him. Like that's kind of how they operate, which is probably one of the reasons why they're very good. But I would expect them to be active in attempting to get to use some of that cap space and get better. Well, I'm gonna throw a name out to you, and I don't know if Carolina is necessarily that fit for that reason, but J.T. Miller's name has now popped up in the rumor mill. Um, He's been popped up apparently as in trade talk of late. Who do you think would even be suitors there with that extension kicking in next year? Oh boy, see that with the extension. I mean, he had 99 points last year. Like for all the drama that's gone on in Vancouver this year and him being around some of it, he did have nearly 100 points. 
Uh, So who would be a suitor? Could Dallas, who needs an uptick in offense, like they're trying to round out their Mm -hmm. second line with Sagan, they just dumped Gary on off, could like, you know, could, could Dallas, could Vegas, with the uncertainty of Mark Stone, could they go get him? If Mark Stone maybe, I don't know what his help is, if he's going to be back or not. Um, There's just not a lot of teams right now because a lot of teams have used their money, right? Like, you know, you could say, oh, go, he could go to Detroit. He could go to Montreal. He could go to teams that he probably wouldn't want to go to, teams that are maybe further down that could afford to get him, but I don't know if they would want him given where they are right now. And you're clearly selling low. Like, this is a guy last year at the deadline, before they dealt with this extension and got him signed up, they could have traded him for a boatload last year at the deadline. You know, picks and prospects and first-rounders, and they elected to, to re-sign him because they, they wanted to bring him back. And now they're going to trade him for almost, like, if you take the contract off our hands. Like, that's tough asset management for Vancouver. I kind of racked my brain. There's no, you know, there's no... There's no obvious uh, spot that jumps out, given that a lot of the teams that would want forwards like this have kind of addressed those needs already. Yeah, interesting. Um, with our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, right now, who else is on the market still floating around? I guess Patrick Kane aside, because we all kind of see in the tea leaves where he's going. Who else is still mm-hmm. left out there that you think could still move the needle for, for a team? Well, um, how about the guy, Julia, who's been there for two years? <laughs> he doesn't even count anymore. He's not getting like, traded. Canceling him. It's just not happening. He has, he has, he's not going to get traded. That's the thing. He might not. <laughs> he's been, and he hasn't played for like eight games. Insane. So he's just sitting there. And then now the team that's going to get him say, okay, we're getting a guy in who's probably slightly not in game shape. He's maybe a little bit rusty. He hasn't played in three weeks. It's just, I mean, I'm all for driving a hard bargain. And good on uh, Bill Armstrong for doing so. But man, oh man, I, I is this ever going to get done? I mean, I think he would be a guy out there right now. Uh, he's not playing. That would, that would move the needle. He's, he's, a good, he's a very good player. And he's got a great value contract for another few years that would make a lot of teams pretty happy they could get it done. So, um, you know, L.A., it was almost done weeks ago when he initially sat out. We thought it was going to be L.A., but that's apparently fallen apart. Um, we thought I heard it might be Boston, but with Orloff move, that's not going to happen. Like, I don't know where he's going, but to me, that's a, a wild carder because he's been out there so long, and it clearly is Arizona's not going to move him unless they get the price they want. So is it possible that he doesn't even get moved? I think it's actually it is possible. He goes the whole week without ever, even getting traded. And then what? He just shows back up on Saturday and say, okay, guys, I'm back to play. It's so strange how that one's playing out. Yeah, it's it's definitely a bizarre situation. All right, let's get to some uh, some Leafs chat. They had a couple of wins over the weekend. Good five one win over Seattle last night. Matthews potted a couple. Uh, first time that he scored in was a four or five game. So getting off the little mini slump there. Would you say? And, and there's a follow up question to this. But would you say that Matthews had his best game in a while last night, Johnny? Um, I mean. Yeah, he was good, but he's like, you know he's been good. He just hasn't had you know generating the chances. He was good last night. Um, you know, I don't know if it's you know Mitch Marner helping him along as well, but you know, I I, I think with Matt, with Matthews right now is that evaluating solely based on his goals is probably not the best way to evaluate him. It's easy, to, you know, it's it's obvious and it's not wrong, but I just think you know like I watch other games where he plays really well. He generates chances. It's great defensively but doesn't score, you're like, well, that was a pretty solid game, even though it was uncharacteristic by him because he hasn't scored so much this year. Uh, just hasn't scored as many goals, but he was good. And then that's a good thing, and we've talked on the show a lot about, like, how long do they stick with 
Marner with Tavares. And I think, you know, we always said at some point they'll get back to it. Uh, and maybe when they need it, maybe they felt now with O'Reilly, they gave that a bit of a run. It did work. But now it's maybe a time that Austin needs a bit of a run with Mitch Marner as well. Because right now, Mitch is playing incredibly well. Oh. Uh, I mean, like, as good, like, we know he's good, right? Like, he literally, like, I think he was on the first all-star team last year. Like, he was the best right winger in the league. He's playing better than that right now. Like, he is unbelievably good. Offense, defense. He's not looking to score quite as much. He's uh, really facilitating for his linemates. But I wonder if Sheldon's watching this. I'm sure he is. We are. We see it. It's hard not to. You're like, you know what Austin could use? A nice, healthy run of Mitch. You know, let's get the band back together with Bunce. And here we go, the little trio that was so good last year, and get them all on fire cooking. When Willie's rolling, too, and Sheldon Keith acknowledged, like, whoever Willie plays for, it's going to work because he's being that good as well. But right now, Mitch Marner is playing so exceptionally well. Like, I think he's part of the reason that they were put back together is to get Austin Matthews going, and it worked, not surprisingly. No, I I completely agree with you, which is why, like, I look at last night, and I think to myself, okay, the Leafs need that Austin Matthews to show up in order to beat Tampa Bay. Like, how Mm -hmm. much stock do you take in that comment? Uh, I put all of it. You couldn't be more right. They have no – listen, Tampa's very good, but they're not infallible. But Toronto has zero chance to get through Tampa unless their best players are the best players. Zero. Like, Nola Chari can be great, and David Kemp can take defensive faceoffs, and Mark Giordano can block shots. Unless their forwards score, they're not going to beat Tampa. Unless their power play works, they're not going to beat Tampa. And so, yeah, absolutely. And it's not just like, oh, well, Mitch can be good and Willie can be good, but uh, or Tavares and Matthews can be quiet. No, no, like they all have to be good to beat Tampa. Now, the good news is I expect them to all be good because they're that good of players. But, yes, I am 100% on board. They need that guy and they need that version of all of them to beat Tampa. And if they get it, they probably will be favored against Tampa. I mean, like, you know, it's, a, it's basically a toss-up series. But if those guys play well, yeah, it's probably – more likely than not that Toronto wins that series. Well, the goaltending battle is interesting. Did you did this weekend and Samsonov's performances make you feel any better about what's going on? And not to say we felt bad at all, but what's going on with Matt Murray is a little bit daunting. Uh, not much of an update there, though I think he went on the road this weekend. Did, did Samsonov's performance this weekend settle your mind at all as to what's going on between the pipes for Toronto? Not really, because, I mean, I wasn't, I guess, like, I've accepted what he is, and he looks very, very good. He's a little bit unorthodox at times, uh, but he's very good, and he's played very good for Toronto. And I think no matter what he does this weekend, next week, whatever, that's going to be the case. I think he's proven that enough. Um, You know, I'm worried about how much he plays because I think fatigue is an issue for Samsonov, more so than Vasilevsky. But I think the problem is, like, I can say that, and he can can be as good or better than Vasilevsky this year, and he virtually is. But he's not Vasilevsky, right? Like in the playoffs, we, you know, there is that element. I don't know if it's pressure or if it's the opposition or whatever. We know Vasilevsky is one of the greatest goal centers of all time in the playoffs. We don't know anything about what Samsonov does in the playoffs. We know what he does in the regular season. It's been really good. And I have full faith that it will still be really good the rest of the year. But playoffs, um, you know, I guess you'll just have to prove it to everyone by doing it uh, when it matters more. In conversation with Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst, uh, even if the Leafs do add a defenseman by the deadline, which you know we're, we're all hoping that the, they do and, and anticipating maybe a move there, but even if they do, they're still going to have to play one of Justin Hall, Mark Giordano, or Timothy Lilligren in the top four. So, Johnny, mm-hmm. rank those three 
as for who you trust in a top four role come playoff time? Um, yeah, like who's their partner? What's the matchup? What's the role they playing? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think they all are kind of interchangeable in moments um, where, you know, if it's penalty killing, it's Justin Hall is probably going to get the nod, right? If it's run a play, I think Timothy Lilgram has been really strong the last couple of weeks and really kind of elevating his game and, and showing that he's ready to, to play a prominent role come playoff time. Um, you know, if it's, you know, intense moments or if it's uh, defending lead, maybe Mark Giordano, the veteran and kind of experience is the guy. Like, I think they, and I bet when it comes to it, they all do play different, you know, kind of elements of that. They all kind of play top four elements throughout that series, depending on what's going on, matchups and scores and everything else. But I will say, like, I like what I'm seeing from Lilligren. I like the way his game is progressing. I like the way he's being effective. I like his physicality, his poise with the puck, um, you know, his decision-making, his ability to not lose puck battles. You know, he throws himself into every one with all he has. And, you know, it seemed like last year maybe he was going to get knocked down and losing a couple more than you, you, you would ideally want. He may not win every one now, but he certainly doesn't kind of lose them to the same degree. So I think he probably would be a guy that would be, I would be comfortable with playing pretty consistently in the top four in the playoffs. I think we're due for some Zio Geo love here on Leafs Lunch, just with his big night last night. He gets a goal <laughs> in his revenge mm-hmm. game, former captain of the Kraken, uh, yeah. and he breaks the block shot record, 2,045. Can you just speak to what it's like to be in the room with a guy like that and how much love and respect his, his teammates must have for him? It's just a, it's a cool feat to have. Yeah, I mean, I think you said it, love and respect. And, I mean, uh, this is a guy who wasn't drafted, guy who had to go play in the KHL to earn himself a one-way deal back in Calgary, who bet on himself over and over, believed in himself, took the long road, never cut corners. We laugh about how much he wants to play and how much he wants to practice. Like, take a day off already, man. You're almost 40. Like, come on. <laughs> but, you know, he just works at it. And he's worked at it to become one of the best defense in the league. He won a Norris. Um, and now, I mean, he has helped the league so much by coming here, by taking the contract. He's outplaying his contract by whatever, 4X. Like, oh, by yeah. so much. Um, and the fact that he just set the record, which is a weird record because it wasn't tracked, and who knows. But, like, the fact of the matter is he throws himself in front of pucks over and over and over again fearlessly to help his team win, and that will always garner the respect of his teammates and around the league. He is, he is, uh, he's an important person in that room now. Like, you know, he's not part of the core guys who've been here for five, six, seven years, but I think his addition and his presence has become a pretty important part of the fabric of the room. Absolutely. Uh, MJ, just before we let you go, the Keandre Miller mm-hmm. situation last night in New York with Drew Doughty. Yeah. While you were on the phone with us, Keandre Miller has tweeted out a statement saying, huh? pardon me? Oh. He's got to get suspended three games, like Garner Hathaway. It's gross. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not a really cool. What did you think of the whole yeah. thing? He, he just tweeted out a statement saying he spoke to Drew Doughty after the game. He didn't do it on purpose. Uh, Molly Walker tweeted out something similarly this morning. Uh, just what did you take away from the situation? And, and yeah. it'd yeah, be an I interesting mean, conversation post-game. Does, does intent yeah. play a factor when it comes to the suspension here, though, do you think? I don't know. Who's going to read intent, though? You're going to take his word for it he didn't mean to? Well, I mean, that was a yeah. pretty sizable loogie to like not mean. That's to what I mean. Buddy. It was so sizable that it's like yeah. com- it he couldn't have fiddle. come up with that loogie on like, the that spot. Was, that, that was horked. That, that was, was that hanging was, there was, for a while. Yeah. So listen, like, um, you know, I have no idea if he meant to do it or not. I mean, he looked at uh, watching the video. It didn't look like it was an accident, but I could be, you know, I could be totally wrong, and I will acknowledge that. 
But I, I think when you get in a scrum like that, you start letting spit like that fly around, then you put yourself at risk of it being interpreted as being on purpose because it sure as hell looked like it was on purpose. And so he could be remorseful. He could say it was an accident. And maybe Drew Doughty apparently like was somewhat receptive to the apology. Yeah. Respect that from Drew Doughty. I don't think it matters. Garner Hathaway got three games for the exact same thing and was criticized loudly for it. Now, I guess he didn't really deny that it was on purpose. Um, and I think Keandre Miller should have the same consequence. Three games and probably should be criticized pretty loudly for doing it as well. I, it's, it's gross. It's like, I don't know, biting or spitting licking. or whatever. Like, the, like, like, well, licking's gross, but it's like. Can't forget well, licking when it comes know, to tongue infractions less, in the NHL. Bad, but yeah, like, we don't need any of those infractions ever. So, and like, yeah. So, um, I take the, I take the, I didn't mean it with a grain of salt. Maybe true, may not, but I don't think it matters to me. Three games of standard, you spit on someone to that degree right in front of their face in a scrum. That's what you're going to get from me. Canucks also just tweeted out that uh, JT Miller out week to week with a lower body injury. So oh, lovely. That probably yeah. means he won't be traded, so he can scratch yeah. that off off the trade bait <laughs> board. So good luck on Friday, Johnny. Not sure what you're going to have to talk about, but good luck, buddy. Should be a fun yeah. show. <laughs> We're going to need it. All right. I'll swing by and say hello. Yeah, appreciate that. We'll do that. Thanks. All right. Take care, buddy. There he goes. Mike Johnson, or TSN hockey analyst.